I speak to you in the name of our one God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. When you go on a college tour, or even a sightseeing tour, like my family recently did, you'll know that many tour guides walk backwards. They're walking backwards as they give the tour. It may sound strange, even a little bit silly, but I do know that the college tour guides are told to do this so that they can engage as many of the visitors as possible while still getting where they need to go. Now, if they walked forward, they would have really one purpose, to get from point A to point B with minimal distraction, with maybe just a side conversation with the families that were close by as they walked forward. But by walking backwards facing the group, they can keep up their descriptive patter about the campus and the buildings and the orientation and the extracurriculars and all of that, and everyone can hear because they're facing the guide, and the guide can also see who might have questions, and then everyone can benefit from the answers. Now, these guides are so good at walking backwards that we forget that it's actually inherently dangerous. As one tour guide at Georgetown University says, I've fallen a bunch of times. I've scraped up the back of my ankles. I've almost hit parked cars. And he usually tells the people at the beginning of the tour, let me know if something is coming up behind me. It's funny for you, but not for me. Walking backwards in this way is like doing other things while walking that seem contrary. So reading while walking, that was what we that was the old-fashioned thing of way of doing what we do today, which is texting while walking, and plowing a field while looking back. All similar. They are physically dangerous and spiritually misguided. As Jesus says in today's reading from the Gospel of Luke, no one who puts a plow, hand to the plow, and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The ancient writer Hesiod, writing before Christ, says this, a plowman is one who attends to his work and drives a straight furrow. He no longer gapes at his comrades, but keeps his mind on his work. Jesus is using this ancient Mediterranean saying to remind us that as his disciples, we are to have a single-minded purpose, like a plowman, to face forward, plow the straight furrow, not turn around or look from side to side, but to stay focused on the task of following Jesus. At the beginning of today's gospel reading, Jesus has set his face to Jerusalem. This phrase only occurs in the Gospel of Luke, and it signals a major pivot in the life of Jesus. He now has one purpose, one purpose in this Gospel reading, to walk towards his death and resurrection. This single-minded purpose is prompted, prompted by God's love for humanity. Jesus makes this journey because God loves us, each and every one of us. And throughout this journey to Jerusalem, Jesus teaches lessons to the apostles and the disciples about what it means to follow him. He teaches us to welcome the stranger, feed the hungry, visit the prisoner, be a peacemaker, seek justice for those who are in poverty and oppressed, forgive 70 times 70, and to love others, including our enemies which may be the most important teaching we need to remember in this moment 
when some are saddened and some are rejoicing at the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs versus Jackson. Feed, serve, forgive, make peace, seek justice, and love. These are Jesus' values, and these are our values in principle. Because it's hard for us to be as single-minded as Jesus. Jesus' interactions with his disciples in this reading show us the tensions in their lives, which are a lot like the tensions in our lives. We hear this refrain from Jesus' disciples. I will follow you, Lord, but first let me... Yes, first let me do something. One says, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me bury my father. Another says, but first... Let me say farewell to those at my home. Even his apostles James and John get distracted. But first, let me rain down fire on the Samaritans who did not receive you. Then I'll follow you. But first, but first. It's like the disciples are walking backwards through life. Backside first. Instead of walking with their eyes on Jesus hearts first. And if you're really listening to the rest of this sermon, you'll get the bad pun every time I say, but first, in the rest of my sermon. Doesn't the disciples' language ring true for you and me? We get distracted. We make excuses. We sound like them, myself included. But first is the way that we put conditions on the unconditional. But first I need to get my degree and then I'll go to church more. But first I need to make sure my business is more stable then I'll volunteer more. But first I need a more senior position and then I'll give generously to God's mission through my church. But first I need to get over my grief and then I'll join the Bible study. But first I need to get, my kids need to be a little bit older and then I'll march for justice. But first, I need to rain down fire on those whom have rejected you, but first, but first. There's willingness. We are willing and yet we push back in the the ways that we approach what Jesus is asking us to do. So we say things like, I'm happy to love my neighbor and my enemy, but first I need to see if I actually like them. I'd love to welcome the stranger, but first I need to see if she looks like me as she rings the doorbell. I'll forgive my father, but first I need to check out if he's really repented. I'll reach across the political aisle, but first I need to see if it'll be worth my time, what I'm going to get in return. I'll give food to the hungry, but first I need to see how inconvenient it's going to be for me. When we use this but first language, we are leading with our backs, tripping over curbs, and obstacles on sidewalks, barely avoiding passing cars and parked cars. We're doing that rather than leading with our hearts, with a single-minded purpose of following Jesus, living out the values of the kingdom. When When we use but first language, we are walking backwards, avoiding looking at the cross, rather than forwards, with our faces set towards Jerusalem like Jesus. We aren't plowing straight lines in the kingdom, Perhaps we don't really want to accept that it can be hard to follow Jesus in seeking mercy and justice. That disciples don't always have a place to lay their heads. 
can't always keep their friends, and sometimes have to leave one church for another when they truly seek to follow Jesus. That seems too hard, so we say, but first, and we lead with our backsides. I'm not sure we can resolve this tension between the values of the kingdom to which we desperately want to adhere and our reluctance at times to go all in. Maybe that's what it means to be human, to have and live into that tension. And Jesus' words to his disciples in this reading can really sound harsh and judgmental, but it's because he knows that the kingdom of God is urgent, the work is urgent, and he doesn't have a lot of time to gather disciples on his journey. So I encourage you, though, to see this text as an invitation rather than a judgment, to understand the urgency that Jesus is trying to get across in this invitation, because he is inviting us to come along. Those of us who believe and desperately want to follow Jesus, he's inviting us to commit to him and walk with him, facing forward with our hearts. He's inviting us to be a way, to, uh, to a way of being in the world that doesn't make excuses before loving our neighbors and our enemies, before forgiving, before giving food and drink, before welcoming someone we don't know, before seeking justice for all, and before being a voice for peace in a world of vitriol and hate. So even if we can't free ourselves from the but first mentality, we can begin to notice when we are making these excuses to turn away from following Jesus. And then beyond noticing what you are doing, we can also resolve our hearts to seek anew each day to accept Jesus' invitation, to really go all in, to lead with our hearts, not our backsides, to plow those straight lines in the field. I know it's risky, and it may open us to the confusion of anger and anger of others and our own insecurity and maybe leaving us that we don't have a proverbial place to lay our heads. But just remember, it's even riskier to lead with your backside, to not know where you are really going, not see where you're going, because then you're not really going anywhere at all. And you might trip and fall and have a much, much harder time getting up. When we don't have our eyes on Jesus and we aren't following him without looking back or to the sides, we've lost that single purpose to which we are called. This is a choice we can make every day And it becomes less hard when we remember that choosing to follow Jesus, facing our hearts towards him as he leads, when we do this, we are following love incarnate. We are following God's message of love to all of us. When we lead with our hearts, we become God's love in the world. So I pray this day that you and I can resolve our hearts to follow Jesus, listening to his teachings of love and watching his examples of love with one purpose, to be at the foot of the cross and at the empty tomb when God's act of love towards us comes to fruition in the resurrection. Let us put aside all of our but firsts and walk with our hearts leading the way as we follow Jesus. Amen.